got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive? I got expensive, cause when is expensive? I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting down the stars. Cause when it rains and it pours. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Put That Coffee Down. I'm Dooner here with Kevin Hill. Oh, let me turn this down. I got oh, everybody yeah, up. You, you have the, this is an the interactive show. Up. I know. I got you guys up right here on the LinkedIn. It looks like notifications are back up, too. We actually have oh, nice. people here. So we got you guys up on <laughs> LinkedIn. We have you on YouTube. We have you on Facebook. Plus, we have a phone line. It's 423-710-9777. Kevin, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about buying questions, man. When it, when a deal is hot, yeah, and when it's not, sure. Kind of, uh, you know, Kenny Rogers passed away on Sunday, so yeah. it's a nice little segue. No one to and, hold him, and no one to fold him. No one right? to hold him, and no one to fold him. And you know, every hand's a winner, and every <laughs> hand's a loser. So, how to determine which, which is which? I didn't go with that quote though. I was trying to stick another Kenny Rogers oh, in there because I don't oh, know okay. when else we'd get to fit him into the show, but. It's Don't Be Afraid to Give Up the Good for the Great by Kenny Rogers. Sometimes you have deals going on. you got to give up the ghost, right, Kevin? Oh, you do. You have to give up the ghost to, uh, to, to reallocate and, and fight another day. TJ Cartarella, he says, love the opening song. We do, too. Chris Ulrich says, happy hump day. And Taxis, one as Roan. Wow, that's a lot. He gives yes. us a thumbs up. Well, thumbs up to you, too, sir. Okay, nice. so okay. a lot of people, they've we, last week we did working from home, right? We did, yes. So people have their home offices set up, right? You've got your webcam set up. You've got your workflow set up. Now it's week two. You've got to be productive. People are starting to look on you again, right? It definitely. I, I think last week was probably a week of transition. So yeah. you're setting everything up. You're getting everything ready. There's probably a lot of technical difficulties. Uh, which we can empathize with here. <laughs> and, um, yes. Yes, we can. And and basically, this week is is back to, to some sort of normalcy. Basically, maybe you're in your grind. Hopefully, you're in your grind. And, and eyes are turning back to the function of moving freight. So you're going to that funnel. You're looking to see what prospects you can talk to, who you can do some business with. Maybe this is a good opportunity to touch base with some clients. Maybe this is an opportunity to back off. You're not sure. It really depends on their situation. So we'll go through some of the signs, some of the indicators, and and some of the good reasons to do it. But before we do, we had some questions during the week. People mm-hmm. interact with us all week, and we implore you to do that. Timothy Dooner on LinkedIn, that's D-O-O-N-E-R, or Kevin Hill. We're more than happy to answer the questions that we put on post. But this one was, have you suddenly thrust back... Have you been suddenly thrust back into an operations role to support your team because of the spike in load volumes? And if so, what is your advice for others in a similar position? That is Alex Schnitzer of Chariot Logistics who asked that question, mm-hmm. 423-710-9777, or leave your comments in the comment section. But what is your opinion on this one? So, so basically, uh, probably last week is, is all hands on deck. So, so basically, you're just moving freight. You're trying to get everything out the door. You're trying to, as we said, you're in transition. So uh, you have a lot of probably a lot of miscommunication going on. So it's just uh, to keep those service levels up and keep the freight moving. And uh, that's number one. You know, it's, it's not really, you know, prospecting. It's, it's not bringing in a new business. It's servicing those clients that you have and making sure that the experience is consistent <laughs> Pat- Patrick Murray, he says, mm-hmm. uh, what's work from home and 
Daryl Rivers goes right past Rick. Yeah, we're we're right here with you. We are we are yes. not at home either. Although this would be nice if this was our house. I know, right? It's, <laughs> it's nice and spacious these days. Nathan Frazier, he he had an opinion on on that question. Mm-hmm. He said this is a great topic. The first two days he spent making sure that everyone's VPNs and TMS were working correctly. We recently hired a large group and are trying to quickly get them up to speed on a work from home environment. Yesterday and today he's been at home and in the office. So he had to split up. He had to mix up doing his sales cycle to just making sure his team can be productive. And I think that's why Alex probably asked this question to see if people were in the same boat and how to manage a team during that time. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you're in transition, you're trying to get VPMs up, maybe you're using desktops. We've heard that quite a bit uh, of late. Basically, your office workers have desktops, converting everyone to laptops, making sure that all the software is migrated over. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, as I said, miscommunication. There's a lot of technical difficulties that can arise from that. And it's, it's it's keeping those service levels on top. Patty always has great advice, and uh, this is no exception. She says, Patty Hinosa, she says, more than ever, this is a time to be engaged and to be a strong leader without sacrificing sales. And we touched on this last time, that unique situations really present that opportunity to stand out, not just in leadership, but if you're in sales, too. This is a real time to be a strong member of the team. We have our own internal sales supply chain, as we do have a -hmm. supply chain out there in the world. Yeah, definitely. You have to step in and, and be able to, to control the situation without mi- micromanaging, let people do what they do well, do what they do best, but keep tabs on, on everything because you're not in the same office anymore, right? You're, you're spread out, doing a lot of video calls. Uh, Zoom was going down a little bit last week. You know, Google Hangouts, I think, has some issues. So you had, uh, you had a lot of technical difficulties that, that were that we're in there, and it's just a, a time to take charge and basically make sure that, that all hands are deck and everyone's moving forward in the same direction. Yeah, I think the good thing is that now that we are in this week, people understand the workflow. They're getting used to being at home, or are they getting sick of being at home? For those of you who are in self-quarantine, who can't get out, especially those of you who are used to working from home, used, but used to going out, used to getting behind the wheel and driving to calls, to visiting clients, how is your mentality right now? Are you checking in or are you checking out? Because for, for you folks, and I was an outside salesperson who didn't have to go into the office, but I was out a lot of times. I was out mm-hmm. visiting clients. This would be a, a bit of a shock to the system starting out. Yeah, definitely. You're going from face-to-face meetings, personal meetings, to to on the phone. Back, back to where a lot of us you know, basically transact, transacted business, which was over the phone. But I, I'm sure that everyone's going through a little bit of cabin fever right now. Uh, we, we have the opportunity to come in the office and a skeleton crew, so we're out of our house every day. Uh, still have some kind of normalcy, but you know, I, you know, I've been hearing it from from people here. You know, a little bit of cabin fever. So let us know if 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 it's getting to you a little bit and and kind of what your psychology is right now. Justin Kane, he said he's laser focused with prospecting, talking to clients, see if they have any needs, but not doing a lot of onboarding at this time. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. It does. You know, I mean, basically, if, if you look at Sonar, it, volumes have been up 30 percent, 25, 30 percent year over year. There's a, a surge of essentials that are basically emergency loads that are restocking shelves. So it's a busy time, which uh, alleviates some of the cabin fever, some of the, the, the awkwardness of being at home is that you have so much to do right now. Uh, just 
servicing your own book of business, making sure the service levels are there, that you don't have a lot of time to really dwell on it or ponder on it. You know, it's just one project after the other, one load after the other right now. A common theme amongst our listeners who responded to this question was, was assume some leadership, but also, as Kyle Humphreys put, and as he said, as the great Simon Sinek says, so this is like a double quote. It is, um, Just like when a band covers a song, and then the band covers the version of the cover song. So I'm doing a cover of Kyle Humphrey's version of Simon Sinek's answer, which is, it's your job to take care of the people that take care of your customers. Make sure the team feels supported and safe. And I think that's that's a really good message and something that uh, a a lot of the good leaders, the people that put that coffee down leaders were, uh, were imparting on their people. Yeah, it's basically basically taking care of your team. That, that's what you that, that's what what you can do right now is make sure that they have all the resources they need to uh, to to move loads. To move loads, maybe bring in new customers if the opportunity comes up. Maybe some of those ghosted leads on you in the past yeah. are now reaching out because they're looking for solutions and they're they're giving you a call. So transitioning them to uh, to, to paying customers right now and, and making sure that your sales team has everything they need to execute. Steven Jacks, he has a bonus question here, very topical one. He got me right before I went on air, and he said, I'd love to hear what logistics pros are doing now to stay busy. Uh, as non-essentials are slowing down and contracts are on hold, perhaps you're just prospecting like crazy, not much else to do. So in the comments, let us know, what are you doing to keep busy if, if you're having some trouble getting people on, on the line, if you, you're trying to fill up your day, you're noticing you have more time once you trim all the fat out, once you trim out the water cooler talks, once you, you know... Yeah, exactly. You know, are you prospecting? Are you what exactly are you doing? And basically, we're looking at load volumes right here. They might might have peaked for the for the emergency, uh, you know, com- consumer goods and and food. Uh, you know, take a, a few more days to to really validate that. But it looks like we might have a peak. We might have a a, a downdraft of load volumes coming coming further. So it's, it's going to be a tough environment in, in the next uh, I don't know seven fourteen days. Martin Mayotte says, uh, or Mayotte, he says, if you belong to a household goods van line agency and are looking to get into freight to keep their team busy, what would you ask from your van line? Where would you look for opportunities? And then Nick Ludwig actually responded. He says he's director of first shift logistics, uh, business development. He said, call your local brokers or look for brokerage companies in your area and notify them of your assets and where you'd like to, to keep and run lanes, their books of business, and your assets sound like a great starting point for local national leads. So look at that. Nick even did a little bit of know, research. Right? This guy just asked the question. Nick, I love it, Nick. You must be yeah. a very successful salesperson. Definitely <laughs> jumped right in there with a, a solution. Yeah, and Martin said thanks, Nick. Of course, love love helping up the community. By the way, on the show notes for every one of these, and when you click on the article and we put this out, there is our Glen Gary Leads, which is just our community of people who listen to the show. Uh, it's everyone's LinkedIn on there. Be sure to connect with people and, and make mm-hmm. those connections. By the way, phone lines are open, 423-710-9777. Now, let's get to our main topic, which was uh, the hold them and fold them, right? Yes, the hold them and fold them. You know, what's a good deal, what's a bad deal? Yes. According to Colleen Francis, author of Nonstop Sales Boom, sales reps should walk away from prospects who can't answer these three questions. Kevin, tell me what you think here and, and audience as well. What does success look like with this project? Who else will be involved in this decision? And when do you need to have this project done by? So pretty simple questions, right? It is, it is, they, they are very simple, but it's, it's tough sometimes for salespeople to, to really ask those. 
sometimes, and I, I've, I've been a worse offender of this as well, is that I, I, I kind of skirt away from those questions because I just want to pitch, right? You know, I just want to present. And basically, those are three questions, three key questions, right? You know, what, what is success? What's Basically, that goes kind of into ROI. What's the ROI? If you don't really know what is a su- success in, in, in this project or this these loads or this contract, then it's hard for that buyer to make a decision. And then if you don't know who the decision maker is, you're kind of just uh, wasting time because basically, you know, you have to find the decision maker. And then the, on the third one is if there's no timeline, if there's no urgency, uh, you know, then you're, you're kind of just spinning your wheels and, you know, basically where's this leading to? No, he's not spinning his wheels. Michael Rogers. He's got 42 years of experience helping manufacturing and distribution companies. And he says preparing a prospecting campaign, staying in touch with, with clients, keeping positive, 100% need to do that. He's been in this business for 43 years now, and he'll get through. And Ann Kelly appreciated that. She said, absolutely agree, Michael. Not only will we get through this, we'll be stronger for it. Yes, Ann Kelly, we, Anna Kelly, we agree wholeheartedly. Oh, yes, so, 100%. Let, let's talk about it. So I agree with what you said there in terms of asking these questions. These are discovery questions. What does success look like for these projects? And these are also... These are, these are tells. These are telling questions because yes. they're leading and they let you know if you're talking to a champion or a coach. You do, you know, and basically if we, if we just go off the first one, you know, what's success? If there's no way to judge, judge success, yeah. and if you don't know what their success marker is, then you, you don't know how to frame your solutions, right? So you might be framing your solutions in something that – that doesn't really matter to that prospect, right? It doesn't have anything to do with the success of what they're they're looking for, what they're shopping for. So you're, you'll be presenting something that is completely off the mark unless you know that question. Andrew Bush says, any other companies out there not use a CRM? That's a good poll. And maybe we'll put that, we'll, we'll yeah. talk a little bit about technology. It's more important than ever for people to stay connected. But I am. we did something similar, right? When we were talking about filling the funnel. We put that survey out there and we said, mm-hmm. do you use a little black book? Do you use a yes. CRM? Do you you know keep it up in the dome? Uh, do you just use your email? I know a lot of sales reps, even if they have a CRM, their real sort of organizational tool is still just searching their email inbox. It really is, you know, I mean, and, and I know it's a lot of paperwork to, to keep up with the CRM, and it's something that most salespeople are delayed in, so you're exactly right. A lot of people just go back to their email. Yeah. Even if they enter into CRM or to their CRM, they, they won't even go back and, and look for it. In that place, they just go through their emails. Now, I got a question for you. You said these three questions are, are really good questions to ask, and, and you have to be mindful of them so you don't just get straight into the pitch. Why do you think that's so important? Would you start with what does success? I mean, you got to understand what the project is before you can say what does success with the project look like. But in terms of discovery, is it much better to be in this portion or be going through the, the brochure? Oh, definitely in this portion, right? You know, what's success? What are you going to judge this by? What are you looking for? Right? What are your needs? Right? Because that's going to be your success. You're going to fi- define success, and this is what we need to execute. Right? Yeah. And that's what you want to talk about. You know, and hopefully that you have the solutions to talk about that. And if you don't, then you know it's probably not going to be a good fit anyway. And at least you know from the get go. Instead of you know. By the way, where did you find a wired mouse from? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> from a closet somewhere, right? So. 
So I don't know. It's a, it's an old mouse. I, I I lost my USB for my uh, my my cordless mouse and and keyboard. Yeah. So it's. I was just curious. It's, I, I haven't I seen a, a corded mouse in a while. Andrew Bush <laughs> said it's been really weird trying to just use a free HubSpot, but they have agents and no interest really. I can't live without it. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, once you get used yeah. to a CRM, it's really hard to transition away from that. And it's more important than ever too if you're a manager because it gives you visibility on what your reps are doing. Yeah, I wonder how many uh, how many people out there that are listening right now use their TMS as their CRM. Uh, I, I know a lot of TMSs are trying to include a, like a CRM function in there, but I don't think, for the most part, I don't think they work nearly as well as a standalone CRM. So yeah. it would be interesting to, to find out what people are using. Now let's talk about some of these objections or things we have to talk to about in these discovery calls, things that will tell you if you should hold them or fold them. One of them is pricing, right? So you're talking about what the budget is, right? And hopefully you get an answer that they actually know what the budget is. You've gotten to that point. Yes, they know exactly what it is. You're deciding, okay, now do we have a fit here, right? So you want to in- investigate or you want to figure out if they are the the DM, right? They're the decision maker. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and basically, I, I, I kind of found out years ago, it's, it's better just to, to to go directly to the decision maker or who you think, you know, as, as high on the totem pole as you can go. Yeah. And then get get everything pushed down. And you might be selling to someone who's a subordinate of that decision maker or that, that key player. Um, but but it's, it's much better to, to distort and, and have everything sold down to the person who you might be working with on a day-to-day basis than having them go up the, the, the chain of command uh, and try to sell it internally. Yeah. So this is very important to find that decision maker, and sometimes that's not all that clear. There might be multiple decision makers, um, but yeah. If they say your pricing is too much, though, that's not a reason to to retract, to withdraw, to pull it back, because that gives you an opportunity to start enticing them with other things, mm-hmm. even simple things like could billing terms maybe sweeten the pot, right? Yeah, you always want to look for sweeteners. Anything that you can do that that really doesn't cost you that much but adds value, and, and basically that's this, you know, is price a myth? You know, everyone wants good service. Everyone wants responsive, uh, you know, brokers or, or, or carrier agents that, that will respond and, and help them out. So, I mean, there's a, a premium to be paid for that. And it's really, it's really about building the value. Building the value because, you know, as Warren Buffett, I think it's Warren Buffett that says, you know, value is what you get. Price is what you pay. Yeah. So if you can build the value, you can increase or, or keep your pricing. Uh, but that's a, a skill that... that and an art form that, that salespeople have to do is build as much value as you can. And sometimes that's credit. Sometimes that's building. Sometimes that's those sweeteners, right? That, that increases the value to, to keep your price. It's a good time to be a private investigator during that, too. So figure out, because maybe your pricing isn't as expensive or as, that much more expensive as they may be saying to you. Once you discover what the INCO terms are or the terms and conditions or sale or the accessorials mm-hmm. or those billing terms, these are all opportunities to see how, because look, you're, you guys all know sales reps. You all have to on freight sales, you know where they they hide the actual bottom line costs on stuff. So use yeah. that against your your opponents, and use it as discovery to find out some of the pain points that these customers may be having. Yeah, exactly. You you basically it's not rate per mile. Yes, but there's about a hundred other factors that go into that 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 top line number that everyone looks at, which is rate per mile, accessorials, credit terms. Uh, it goes on and on. So you just have to be creative. Especially if you're selling on less trucks, less miles, you're doing mm-hmm. some sort of optimization service. He mentioned CRMs. I'll mention a TMS, right? Yep. If you're trying to sell TMS services or you're using those from a 4PL perspective, you're doing 
manage transportation, you're trying to win an account, you might not always, you might not be able to show price by price on that, but you would be able to show the cut down in whatever's important to you. That may be miles, that may be making consolidations, that could be on routing. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially when you get into the 4PL maintenance transportation, you have a lot of levers to pull. Uh, I, I know visibility is a, a big thing, you know, tracking visibility. There, there's there's so much that you can throw in and, and kind of, you know, assemble however they're, they're judging success, right? And there's or moving pieces that you arrange on the – or moving cards, you know? Yeah. D- different combinations of cards that, that you can um, move around to, to, to fit whatever they define success as. You're stuck against the wall, though. They're telling you this is this is out of budget. An exit that I think works pretty well in a situation like that is sort of the neg. And uh, this might be yeah. something you, you might do at a bar if you're trying to express interest. They don't seem that interested. But you want to be like, okay, given what you've told me about your budget, I don't believe our product is the right fit for you. Not snarky, but like, given what you told me, maybe it's not the right fit. Maybe then you can ask for a referral, too. You can say, do mm-hmm. you know someone who this may work well for? We've had some conversations here. Oh. Only we this, have we have call? a phone call. Who could it be? Let's bring him up. Hi, thank you for calling Put That Coffee Down. It's uh, Dooner and it's Dooner Kevin. and Kevin Hill. Yeah, Kevin Hill. Hey, guys. Nathan Frazier, how are you? Hey, Nathan, hey, former Nathan, guest. How are you doing? Wish, you could have, wish we could have you back in studio, but uh, social distancing uh, <laughs> is the, uh, the law of the land at the moment. No, I understand. Just, uh, yeah, when everything cleans up, I'd love to come back. Um, hey, one thing I wanted to touch on, when you were talking about um, terms and negotiations with potential customers, is one thing that's really tough in our business is making sure that the billing side of stuff understands the business, understands how it works. And, you know, because when you, if you have a customer and the billing team is reaching out because the load went 31 days before they got paid, if that person doesn't talk to the customer with respect, then that can quickly not be a customer anymore. So to me, it's always important to make sure the billing side understands the business inside and out. And I actually like them to sit on the brokerage floor so they can see the day in and day out reaction with the customer. Because a billing a billing group can get you in more trouble when it comes to relationships with customers than anything in the business. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah, exactly if, right, yeah. especially if you give different terms. If, if you usually book by by 30 day terms you give them 60 or 90 to sweeten that pot or you agree to waive some accessorials or something i mean that's why bill audits are so important too when i was working at 4pl what people were quoted and what they actually paid was was usually not the same but if that ends up at the supply chain manager who's ever making the decisions there and they realize that they're getting they're going to think you are ripping them off and billing when in reality like nathan's saying it could just be a miscommunication right yeah oh yeah um but you know and when it goes back to what you're paying versus the quality you're getting, you know, there's always that famous picture all over the internet where the one half is that beautiful horse drawing and then the other half is that kindergarten stick figure horse. And it's, you know, what you pay versus what you get. Um, do you want a quality product or do you just want to give me some money and you have to call me all the time because you're going to have issues. So that's a big thing in the air too. But guys, I'll hang up and listen. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Nathan. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, so so accounts receivables people have the, the, their goal is to get the cash in, right, in the, in the finance department. Yeah, and basically the account rep, you know, the person who owns that account, their goal is to continue business. And sometimes those are don't align. So that, that's a very good point that Nathan brought up. Is that 
you know, accounts receivable and your account managers should have a very good working relationship because you can lose a lot of business uh, trying to get, you know, push people to pay that, you know, you know, I, I used to have customers that never paid on time. Right. You just had to work with them. Yeah. Bruno DeLillo, he, uh, global sales director at Legacy Supply Chain Services. He says, my question when we're out on price is, are we comparing apples to apples? Is it all included? Free time, days of transit, mode, et cetera. I, yeah. I mean, look, you have someone talking to you. They haven't hung up yet. If they're going to continue the conversation, ask those questions because it's going to give you more discovery. And they may something, they may say something that is a clue or vitally important to the next step within the sales process. Haley Fazio, we know her. She's at yeah. home. We we actually used a picture of her studio on a cover of What the Truck recently. She says, uh, hey, Dooner and Kevin, miss you guys. Thanks for rocking the shows per usual. And Peter Kanawiki, he says, uh, a great thing to do right now is to create content for your leads and clients. Good time to start podcasting and blogging. Yeah, of yep. course. Put that free time to work for you. Professional development. Speaking of that, when people do RFPs, usually they don't just go to you or to one person, right? So mm -hmm. you can be entering a fairly crowded pool. Now, this is this can be a delicate time because a lot of times you look at this big account, right? Especially the mm -hmm. ones that are bringing a lot of people in. Big account, oh, this could yeah. be worth a multi millions like of a dollars. Big box retailer, right? The bigger the account, the more people it involves within your organization, though, right? It it, it does. More people in your within your organization, the more people outside of your organization. Who knows how many people are. Are, are doing that RFP or the RFQ, and it is kind of one of those things that in, in the world of freight is is always a slippery slope, right? Because the win rates on most RFPs, most RFQs, especially for those large multi-million dollar uh, bids, don't always materialize like you want them, even if you do win it. You know, basically it's a low win rate, and then when you do win it, and we have this on the survey this week as well, is that it almost never gets to about half of what you anticipate. So, so basically the volumes are down, the margins end up being down because you quote X rate, $2 a mile, you think you're going to buy transportation at $1.80 a mile, and all of a sudden it's $1.92 a mile, right? And, yes. and you, always kind of, uh, you always kind of get hosed on those types of, of contracts, it seems like. You usually want to find out too, uh, you know, how many vendors are involved. Each each uh, mm -hmm. each competitor decreases your chance of winning, yes. um, especially depending on the size of your company. But also, if you can find out who is involved, that can help as well because you can kind of, you can get an idea of what services they're using. And if you know how that brokerage mm -hmm. or that trucking company or that carrier operates that environment, you might be able to realize, you know what, I have a good advantage here. This is worth using internal resources to build out that RFP. Or other times, it's just not. Uh, oftentimes, it's, it's not. You just have to, to fold that hand and, and move on if you don't. If the, the winning, winning percentage is so low, you're just wasting time. Do you think that it's very important to have a relationship or or the high ground in these RFPs? In terms of high ground, I mean a name that the company and then their bosses may recognize or at least a relationship that you know you have a coach in there or you have a DM? Yeah, yeah you always do. Yeah. It's, it's always an advantage, right? Knowing people having a personal relationship or a business relationship. And sometimes that takes uh, multiple, you know, two, three years to, to build, Maybe you don't get in on the first RFP that you have a chance at. Maybe the second one, you're down at the bottom because you, they're just not familiar with you. Uh, and maybe it's, it's that third time or that third chance around that basically you build up a relationship comfort level that, that people are willing to, to take a chance on you.
Yeah, and that, that's one of those no one to hold them, no one to fold uh, yeah. them. Realize when you're just being used to benchmark, when they're just using you as a yes. benchmarking service to see what the yep. rates are in the market. It uh, it can lead to a lot of heartache, especially if you work in a smaller company. It's all hands on deck. You're making the. I remember I was working for one company, and we were there was this giant German washing machine manufacturing company that we were putting an RFP together mm-hmm. with, and we were competing in some real big boys. We made it to round three, but then we washed out. Because it's hard because the companies are still they, they still want to mitigate risk. And then when it comes down to the final decision maker, they're like, you know what? We still feel more comfortable going with the big national versus mm-hmm. the local company. Hey, those are lessons that you learn along the way, right? Yes. I mean, there's no way to, to really be able to recognize it before you, you gain that experience of it happening to you. But once it does, I mean, it's a very valuable experience because then you can recognize the telltale signs of when you're being played. Now, I think that a lot and of... You can use it to your advantage, even if you don't win the contract. A lot of younger salespeople may not recognize this. They, they don't know the difference between the, the coaches and the kings or queens in the organization. That's, that's the person who will talk to you, who will pick up the phone, who will go out to dinner with you, who will take, you know, free tickets to the NBA. <laughs> Got it. Free tickets to going anywhere sounds like, sounds great. Imagine, remember we used to go, get to go places, Kevin? I know, right? <laughs> no, no, we, I know. But in, in normal times, giving the tickets away to NBA games, taking them out to steak dinners, whatever it may be, these are the times when you want to find out the difference between the, the coach and the king, because both are very valuable, right? The but coaches and the king. Cause, but you got to realize when you're with the coach, you got to figure out who that decision maker is, what their pain points are, who some of their competitors are, what the org structure is, right? You do. And I read somewhere, and I can't remember exactly who wrote it, but it's, it's something that stuck with me all, all through this time, is that, that the people who are the, the easiest to get in front of and who claim to have the most power in the decision-making process yeah. have the least amount. Usually. And then the hardest sell, yeah. right? The people who are – it takes the, the longest time. Like the park time, ranger. They are the park yeah. ranger, right? Uh, the people that, that basically it takes the longest time to get in front of and who claim they don't really have the power their team has to make the decision are usually the ones with the most power. I would agree with that. I mean – and coaches aren't necessarily a bad thing. You just have no, to not. recognize what they are because they can provide that valuable insight. And hopefully mm-hmm. they can, unless they're just using you to get those tickets or those free dinners yeah. and those bar bills paid, I, I, they use, can get you to that DM maybe. Uh, you know, basically they're going to use you for that. You use them for competitive or, or business intelligence. Yeah. You know, basically your discovery. Use them, you know, every little bit of scrap of information that you can use. Use them, but just recognize that they're probably not the decision maker. What about when you're getting ghosted? How do you know when to walk away when you're getting ghosted? How many times do you hit that person back? That is uh, that is a very tough question, right? I mean, because we've all been ghosted. And if you haven't been ghosted, you need to get ghosted quite a bit because that means that you're, you're doing enough activity to make sales. Uh, but you are going to get ghosted, and it really... It, it depends. You know, there, there's so many different strategies to use for that. Uh, but at some point, you just realize it. You realize that right now it's not going to happen. And basically, the, the best thing to do is just reframe uh, your value prop or your pitch or, or however you want to, 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 to call that is, is to, to continuously come up with new and creative solutions to throw in front of them and you know, it's, it's happened, I mean, six, 12 months later, people have reached out for me who have ghosted me a year before. John Cohn on Facebook, he says, hey, why don't you guys bring up the trucks being towed in New York City? 
because this is a freight <laughs> sales podcast for closers. That's why John Kahn will maybe we'll get to that tomorrow on the freight market update. Yeah, we probably will actually. Yeah, no, I mean that is yeah. a big issue Noon too. Tomorrow. It's just, just this is not the show for it. Yeah, not um, not, not this show. But but noon tomorrow we'll probably cover that story. What I was going to say about getting ghosted though is it's I think one thing that reps often forget to do is. To be honest with themselves, honest with the relationship, and honest with their CRM, as he mentioned, and adjusting their forecasts and their pipeline. Well, Sometimes reps don't like to do that because they don't want the manager saying, oh, well, where did that revenue go? Where did that opportunity go? What did you do? Just be honest. Say, look, they're not getting back to me. I've, I've, I have to make a little distance here. I've mm-hmm. scheduled them out to reconnect within, within three months with the caveat that if something happens, given the information I know about them, if something happens in the market – that makes us a better fit at that time, that's when I would love to reapproach them. That's an excellent point, and it only matters. It's only a problem, right? Ghosting is only a problem, and your manager is going to ask you those questions only if you don't have a big enough pipeline. Yeah. If you have a big enough funnel pipeline, uh, ghosting doesn't won't even be an issue for you. Yes. If they ghost me, I'll just go on to the next one. You're I think right? that there's some etiquette to but it. But if th- you don't have a funnel then ghosting becomes a huge issue because you don't have anything else to fall back on. I think you can handle, you can make some decisions here. You can then ghost because they're ghosting you, or you can make a decision. And sometimes some reps will will send out a really passive-aggressive email. You know, like, oh, if you don't want to talk to me anymore, I'm just going to move on with my life and go. Like, when I read that, I'm like, good. You know, go Uh, yourself. Get out of my face. I think at that point, the, the right way to go about it is to ask permission to say, hey, look, I, I want to close your file for now. I know we've had some mm-hmm. great conversations. It seems like this isn't a great time for you. I completely understand that. Um, either permission to close the file or when would be a good time to reconnect? I, exactly right. It's much better than, than being passive aggressive. And it, it goes back to your funnel. If your funnel is slim, you're going to be passive aggressive because you're going to be worried and, and basically anxiety written because what else am I, what am I going to do now? If you have a large funnel, you've been prospecting, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. You know, you're not going to close every deal. Bart Champagne says spot on with the RFQ insight relationship is key. And yet you can still fall short on volume margins and expectations. A hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. I, and everybody wants to, I mean, it's, it's right in front of you. It's like an oasis. Oh, I got that RFP, especially if you're starving, man. Especially if you've been yeah. out there and you haven't eaten in a little while. Sales is like that. It's that emotional roller coaster of up and down. And sometimes we waste more time keeping ourselves because listen to me any energy you put into one of these long-term rfqs is taking away bandwidth from not just yourself everyone involved and also it's making you especially convinced yourself you might win you're not going to be prospecting as hard as you could be when you thought maybe oh there's going to be that three hundred thousand dollar revenue shortfall or that million dollar shortfall instead i want to dance around and pretend like i'm going to land this large german refrigerator account I know, right? And and it always falls short of your expectations. Uh, certainly, the Excel file that comes over to bid hundreds of different lanes is infinitely more complex than you ever think about. And you spend a lot of time. If you have a pricing department, they spend a lot of time. If your your sales manager puts up a lot of hope for this, and even if you do win some lanes, it always falls short of expectations. James Dean Anderson, principal CEO at Valve Agency, says all businesses or exports worth their experts worth their salt will have people try to learn from them or capitalize on the path they carve. Of course, trailblazers, right? Oh yeah, it's definitely. easier to walk through the the cut through trail than to I don't know follow the path. Yes. Exactly. Michael Caney, I know that guy. He says, 100% of the pipeline comment, reps with a lean pipeline get desperate. Reps with a full 
funnel, look at ghosted deals as future deals. Yeah, you have to create that pipeline yeah. first. Go back to our filling the funnel episode. Yeah, but I, you I have knew, to have those in place, right? I, I knew Michael Caney would agree with that. Uh, of so course. That's one thing that, that he would agree with me on. Well, he's a manager, and the struggle is real for managers because they have to they have to look in that, and then they have to report to someone above them, and they say, yeah. well, what, if, what, if, what does all of this look like? What does all the revenue look like and the projections that your reps are being there? So sales reps realize this, that your manager isn't being a jerk. He's just trying to figure out what kind of projections he can give to mm-hmm. the person above him. And if you have a lot of trash or a lot of... Uh, here's the thing about trust, especially working from home. And this is more important than ever. The thing about yes. trust is if you want that freedom to go do whatever you want, then you have to be honest and you have to communicate and you can't play games and you have to make sure if you're using a CRM that that is up to date. Especially the CRM up to date right now because no one has any visibility on what you're doing for your eight, nine, ten hours a day. All they know is what they see in CRM. They can't see you on the phone. They, they can't see uh, what you're doing minute to minute or walking by your desk. Uh, is basically you have to have it in CRM. And, yeah, I mean. Safavian Terrell, operations team at OT Logistics International, says, When should you consider bowing out gracefully? Is follow-up calls and email still necessary after being told that they aren't adding new brokers. No, I mean, that goes back to, I think, just saying, okay, can I have permission to close the file? Uh, if an opportunity comes up, I'd love to reach out again. And then you might want to do something, you know, maybe use some content marketing to keep them up to date on market conditions, but stop trying to do the hard sell. Yeah, stop trying to do the hard sell, uh, providing the the same solution that you've been pitching. You have to Basically, you, you have to, to re-engineer your pitch, right? You yeah. To, to create something else. And you might not be able to do that on the fly. It might be some opportunity that, that comes across your desk, you know, maybe a backhaul opportunity, something, something that you don't know about right now that you can go and present a different option. Yes. And, and that's what I always do. And, and that is part of content marketing, too. You're just providing different pieces of value that you haven't provided before. Well, that was my next point. Value is sort of the next, when you're doing self-inventory, inventory on these accounts, is the deal dead? Should I walk away? Should I go in harder? You want to ask yourself about value and are you really offering them any value? Are you listening to what they are telling you and are you creating solutions that make sense for their needs or are you just making solutions that you think make yeah. sense because you have been told to say that? Well, if you do your discovery right, they're going to tell you exactly what they're going to buy, why they're going to buy it how much they're going to pay for it. And it's up to you to, to, to sit down and work it out how you can provide that. Now, if touchy, you can't provide it, it's going to be an uphill battle. Well, a touchy part of that, too, and this is where some reps might be too aggressive, I, this really comes down to personality and how you massage. There's no just there's, there's no just like anyone with, a, with different personalities. Some people mesh well with others. But one thing that comes up is you have to figure out if they understand the value that you are trying to tell them, right? And you, and you can do that with case studies, ROI reports, mm-hmm. testimonials. If those don't work, regardless of how you present them, then they may never understand, and that may be a situation where you want to fold them. And, you know, and sometimes when you're doing that, that they don't understand it because it's too complicated. Yeah. You, it's a curse of knowledge, right? Because you know, what, you know the product, you know your service, you know your company, you know your objectives, and you know how you can help them, but maybe you're not communicating uh, on the same wavelength, just like you're saying, right? And it's the curse of knowledge, and you can't, you, you have to dumb it down sometimes. And I say dumb it down, but, but basically make it as simple as possible for the other side to understand. And then you can build up from there. 
and it all comes down to fit too. Is this even yeah. a fit for what they need? Is the service mm-hmm. that you're trying to sell something that they that they need their needs that you've uncovered? Does it make sense to the dialogue that you're having? You got to realize that a lot. Of, you got you got to make sure that they understand. That goes back to understanding the value, and then there's the value fit. Those are really the two crucial keys. Here's the thing, though. If it if it's not if it's not a great fit, and this happens all the time, you go, oh, they're looking for this LTL lane from mm-hmm. you know Chicago oh, yeah. to to California. We're not really good. We're better positioned on the East Coast. I personally think it never hurts to recommend a, a service or throw a bone to a friend out there who you know who covers that well. Turn them onto that. You'll build trust, and then when the uh, when he comes back around, you'll have that opportunity. There's nothing wrong with saying this is what we're good at. We're not good at this. Here, let me let me put you in contact with this. Exactly right. You're going to build trust, and basically, uh, you may never win that business, or, or, or certainly not that business, but any other business. But you know, only good things can happen. I mean, what's worse than than, than not getting the you know, Nicole Glenn touches on this. She's the owner of Candor Expedite. She says, uh, Kevin Hill, I love these topics. You make me want to be a guest on your show all the time. She's more than happy to have you, Nicole. Yes. She said, for us being a niche service provider, it is crucial to dive into questions at a deeper level to, ass- to ensure that they are aligning with their potential clients' true expectations and what they can do, especially with that crucial first shipment out the door. 100% agree with that. I definitely, yeah, one hundred percent. This is what you have to do. And then Chris Jolly goes, "Yeah, you simply cannot be the best at everything." One hundred percent agree. Stan Duncan said, "Regardless, regarding knowing when to hold them and when to fold them, when is a deal heating up and when is it cooling down? Most of our mental processing is unconscious, and most of our decision making is unconscious as opposed to irrational or bad." Neuroscience research has shown that rather than making persuasive, logical arguments, you're more likely to persuade people to take an action if you understand how they feel about the decision than feed that feeling. Interesting. Modeling the feelings. And I, I, I don't disagree with him there at all. Yeah, always interesting from Stan. I Always inter- interesting comments. And basically, this week is Start With Why. Oh, nice. And basically, this is the book that we're going to give away this week, and it kind of speaks to that. You know, people do not make decisions based on logic. We, 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 we base our decisions on emotion, how we feel, our gut instinct, and we explain it to other people using our rational, logical mind. And basically, it goes back to, uh, you know, marketing. Marketing, you market to people to buy on emotion. Oh, sure. Right? Um, nuclear verdicts. One, one part of that is reptile theory, which is based on getting the jury's emotional response to the dangers of whether it be a consumer product or a uh, 80,000-pound truck going down the road killing someone. Sure. Right? It's based on that, and that's how we really make our decisions. So uh, rational, logical arguments to make a sell – don't often work. It has to be that gut reaction, that feel, um, that, that instinct, that wavelength. In fact, sometimes reps will get into this position where they want to debate the person on their feelings. You can't really debate someone on their feelings because feeling is something that you, that you feel almost instantly. And then you use that cognitive mind. Then you use mm-hmm. that to put the, the rationale and the context behind it because you want to justify why you're feeling a certain way. And so does your buyer. And, and that's why sales, uh, you, you have to, to really be empathetic. You know, you have to, to build up the, the skill of empathy uh, because you have to put yourself in their shoes, understand their perspective, their feelings, their emotion, uh, why they're making this decision, 
And once you do that, then you can present something that goes along with that. But if you're debating on rational arguments, you're getting nowhere. And Brian L., he said pain points. It comes down to pain points. Mm -hmm. Are you solving something that they need? Pain points are... They may the person you're talking to. They may not list out every single pain point they have, but they have the ones that they're feeling strongly about. Right? That's why they're telling you about them. You're exactly right. And basically, there's a lot of pain points that that people don't even realize they have, and that's where discovery comes in. You want to dig in and find the the real issues uh, that they, maybe they haven't thought about yet, or maybe the the real issue. You have the pain point, but you have a deeper issue, and that's the reason why you have to probe. That's why it's called probing, right? Probing questions and to get to that root problem of of why things are and what they're actually looking to do. James Dean Anderson, he has another one here. He says, "How do new owner operators find out what the right rate is for a lane with heavy tolls or other obstacles before they walk into a bad situation?" I mean, like anything, you you do need at least some market data there, right? Yeah, yeah you have to do your research, you have to do your um your your homework on it. Yeah, nobody said it was easy. No one Especially said it was tolls easy. And stuff. <laughs> I know tolls, and you know you get in heavy haul stuff. You know you have permits, and it's a whole world. And, and basically, you just have to to learn it like anything else. All right, hey yo, survey time. Let's get to the survey. We asked yep. you, the audience, how you feel about six different questions. We'll go through them right now concerning our topic. The first one was: Which of the following are the most conclusive clues that a deal has stalled and probably will not close soon? The number one answer here was a lack of response for a customer prospect. And we touched on that. And I think we lingered on that one. Probably the longest is that lack of response when you're getting ghosted. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what we, we all experience that on a daily basis, right, in sales, is, is getting ghosted. So, of course, you know, if you're not getting any response whatsoever, it, there's no question about it. You know, that the deal has stalled. Um, but there's other things in here that, uh, that, that are confusing, you know, indecisiveness, from your prospects. Yes. Right? That they won't give you a, a yes or a no. That they're just like, well, we'll just push it back because we, we have no urgency about it. And uh, from the, the book we gave out last week, I read a chapter, I reread a chapter in that on the, the power of no, right? And, and getting counterfeit yeses. And that's another way you know that a deal is sold. You get all these, they yes you to death, right? I would say the indecisive, the indecisiveness too can be a tell that we are can be a telemarketer, uh, by the way. We should have let him pitch right on air. I should have brought him right up. Um, <laughs> God only knows what they're looking for, though. Uh, be a robocall. That can be a tell, though. The indecisive answers can be a tell if someone is a coach versus a decision yes. maker. They might be indecisive because they just don't know. Yeah, they, they can't make the decision. So basically, it's a, it's a good indicator. But if, if you are spending all your time with a coach and not a king, right? Is that the terminology? Not a king, then, then basically the deal is stalled. Yeah. Because you haven't gotten to that step that you need to, to actually close it. I was surprised that almost 40% said that customer prospect continues to be shopping around for the best rates. To me, that's still an open door. It is, but you know, basically if they're not ready to make a decision, it, yeah. it's kind of stalled again, right? You still have an opportunity, but it's it's kind of stalled, right? I mean, they're still shopping. They're, they're still shopping, but the, the, you know those people who continuously just shop. Their organization or themselves, they can't make a decision. So it's just this perpetual shopping around. 
The next question we asked was, on average, how many times will you follow up with a prospect client before realizing the deal has stalled and is off the table? The number one answer there was six to ten. Following closely behind was three to five. Then uh, you had some people who go one to two. Then you had some people who go 11 to 15. Those are right around eight to ten percent. Where would you be? How long is the timeline here? That's what, that I was know, my right? question. Yeah, I always yeah, wanted to yeah, debate yeah. it. But I think initially you're kind of doing, especially if you're setting up drip emails, so you're using a yeah. little bit of technology, you've done that discovery, mm-hmm. you've got the right campaign going out to them. I would say that the ones that I'm kind of manually controlling would be in that three to five. If there's a drip going on and there's you're, you're getting some response to them, it might be into that six to ten. But I tend to... At a certain point, after an email or two, you kind of want to get them on the phone to yeah. to hear their voice, to get that feeling. It's very hard to – you talked about how important feeling is. It's very hard to derive feeling from an email. Exactly right. You want to get them on the phone. You want to, to get some kind of answer out of them. I, I would probably be in the 6 to 10 camp active. You know, basically yeah. active, calling, emailing, uh, but uh, say a short, medium time, time frame before I said, okay, it's closed loss for right now. And it's always for right now because I'll continuously just keep going back forever. Well, this almost. is where, like, when you talk about your your funnel and your pipeline, we're in a situation like this. Extreme, and that's an extreme example is the coronavirus. But this is creating challenges for a ton of shippers, especially those who are looking to unlock capacity, those who uh, don't have route density. Maybe they need mm-hmm. maybe they need some advice on what lanes they should be in. They could use a product like Sonar to do that. Exactly right. And a lot of these shippers are landing new accounts themselves because of necessity, especially any kind of essential type of you know medical supplies, food, you know, household items, right? I mean, a lot of these shippers might be, you know, these manufacturers of, of those items or importers are probably signing new contracts to, to stock store shelves. So basically new lanes are opening up for them and that uh, they need help um, fulfilling those, those, those orders. The easiest way to follow up with somebody is to to know what they do, to know what they're feeling, and to also have a reason, right? And and extreme circumstances do help create those conversations, as do new regulations. They're two of the yeah. – as a sales rep, those are two of the top conversation points you can have with someone because both are eventually going to be pain points, regulation and current news or, or societal or market conditions. But that's, and that's another reason why there's no dead leads, right? There are just no dead leads. So, so basically, you can close them out, loss, but everyone should be on a drip campaign. Yes. Because they could go 100, 100 emails on a drip campaign, never open anything, never respond, but you catch their attention that one time because basically you just have good timing. And the best place to, the best method for good timing is to consistently follow up with people. Yeah. So. I agree with you. The next one was, which questions categories are the best predictors of winning the business, right? Questions about your credit payment terms was number one, your rates, your capacity, your company, all very typical discovery questions. I don't know if those are necessarily winners, but they are, they're, they're good questions to be getting answers to. Yeah, definitely. You know, basically, you know, you're holding someone, in, someone's interest. If they're, they're asking about your payment terms or yeah. your credit terms, you have their interest, right? And basically, if you can get multiple of those questions, you know, the more questions out of that list that you can get and the deeper that goes in the conversation, uh, you know, those are buying questions. Chris Siege, director of sales at Bridge Logistics, says, be honest and express your fears with the prospect if you're getting ghosted. And he says, in quote, Mr. Prospect, my fear is that you are no longer interested and have decided to make a different decision. Is that the case or is there something else stopping us from moving forward? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that th- that could work. It, it could. It, it could. You just uh, at that point, you just want a yes or no. Yeah. Right. Yes or no. Yeah. Should I move on? Should I not? And, and basically, if you can get a reason for that, that's just uh, cherry on top. And you go to your next prospect. The next one was when you win bids for new consistent lanes or RFPs, how often do you realize volumes and gross margins come with 80% of your initial forecast? Now, Ryan online, Ryan Schreiber, yes. he had a very strong opinion on this one. What did he no. say to you about these uh, these results? Uh, anyone who answers more than 50%, so anything on the right side is lying. Are they, oh, no, right, yeah, yes, he's definitely lying. Yes. 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 So, and and I have to agree. You know, you're either lying or you're not aggressive enough. Correct. I I, I, w- I would say you're either lying or, or or you're not aggressive enough because basically uh, something always goes wrong in transportation, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, so the volumes are are either down or what you think you're going to buy transportation at isn't quite there or any you know some excess soils. You start sending drivers in to the pickup location. It takes them five hours to load, right? Twenty-one to forty-nine percent was number one. It was. It was. It was number one, followed by fifty to seventy-five percent. So very few people said a hundred percent. Yeah, very few said zero and said a hundred percent, which yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah, you know, you're going to get a hundred loads a year on this lane. You might get fifty. And here were the questions. We are speaking of marking conditions. Mark conditions for for you folks out there doing sales. We are probably going to ask this every week, these two. And this was, has your company changed its hiring plans over the past few weeks? This was uh, number one was pause all hiring at 35%. That makes a lot of sense. No change was uh, right behind it. Cutting headcount was at 15%. Um, hiring only essential roles was around 10%. Growing was only at 5%. And 10% was, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just good intelligence for all all, all of us to have, right? To yeah. See, what, see what's going on in the industry, uh, whether it's freight brokers or, or trucking company right now uh, in these uh, strange, strange times. And then the other one was, are you concerned you may lose your job due to a lack of sales or an economic crash? 53% said no. 32% said yes. 15% said, I don't know. And I think that we had on here, what was it? So a week was, ago, we were at where on that? It's a we, little bit higher, right? So, so basically, I think I, it was I 25%. It was 25%, yep. Yes, yeah. And then 57% no. Yes. And then like 18%, I don't know. So, and it's just something we, we did that last week, and a lot of the viewers, uh, you know, asked us to keep this going week over week to see the changes and see where the, the industry is going. Yeah, and that was a four percent jump. So yeah, so so I mean, within the margin of error. But this goes really. on for a month. That's sixteen percent. Well, yeah, right. If it keeps going up, four percent. I know, right? So so yeah, but it's still within the margin of error. I'd say three to six percent margin of error. On, I mean, on with some surveys. of the stories we know are coming out, I think that confidence is going to slowly I, erode the longer this I, goes, I, though. I, I, I think so, and it really depends on how volumes and, and how traffic, and we're doing a lot of research right now on basically forecasting volumes and forecasting, kind of getting really nitty-gritty in the details of, of what actually moves and the percentage of freight and trying to predict what's going to happen, which uh, which is uh, very tough in normal conditions, and you know it's, it's quite a game uh, of, of forecasting when, when, you have, uh, when you have COVID-19. Yeah, running around. So, so sum it up for us. Knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them. What did you? What did you learn? What do you? What do you feel strongly about? 
you know, I, I feel strongly. So, so basically, you only have a finite amount of time. Yeah. So you have to use that. That's your most scarce resource, and you have to use that um, very sparingly. So you, it's, it's all based on experience, too. Your gut feeling will tell you when to move on and when when a deal is in motion, right? You're going to get buying questions. You're going to get interest. You're going to get ghosted. You're going to get indecisiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get counterfeit yeses. And it's it's really important to, to recognize those those two dynamics. And also, it, it's only a really a huge issue if you don't have a big enough funnel. If you have a big enough funnel, everything else in sales actually, it, it just takes care of itself. I'll sum it up this way. Yes. I think that too many salespeople worry about if they are wasting someone else's time, and more of them should worry about if they're wasting their own time. That's right? uh, like How many a, times do you self-neg? Yeah. Like a lot of salespeople just they, they give their own self-neg. They go... Well, I don't want to waste their time, or I don't mm-hmm. want to bother them with this, or I don't want to do that. You let them make that excuse to you. Yes. Right? Don't make excuses for them. Don't, don't preload them in. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent answer. Yes. That, is a, that really sums it up really well. Start with the why. Is that Start this week's why. book? It is. So basically, let's draw. But last week's book, let's draw. So we have 27 uh, participants in this. If you want to be involved in the book drawing... Then just leave your name in the comments here. Yes. You can uh, message Kevin Hill on LinkedIn or myself, Timothy Dooner. Yep. We'll put you in the next book drawing. If, if you've already been added and you haven't won yet, you'll remain on here. So just keep tuning in every week. See if you win. We'll also reach out to you. Last week, it was uh, Joseph DeLeo, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. And this week, it will be... Let's who, who put my be? random Who's number going picker. To win the subtle art of not giving. All right. It's number 22. Yeah. What was the 22nd name on here? It is Andrea Burmeister. Very good. Andrea, Andrea Burmeister, you will win. We'll reach out to you with uh, your details. We'll get yep. those for you. Joseph Solis, Dooner, keep up the great work and stay safe. Love the show. Hey, Joseph, thank you. I hope we're good. we're keeping you guys company. Adding a little levity there. Okay, what is this week's book? It's Simon Sinek. A lot of people probably have heard this. It's uh, Start With Why. It's oh, a, that was quoted. That was yeah, quoted. Yeah, it, it was quoted. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. So it's, it's one of the reasons why we're doing Start With Why this week. And it's, it's really about why people buy from you. It's not what you sell or how you do it. It goes back to your emotional response is why. If you, if you can align on why, if your why and their why is an alignment, yes. you have a much better shot. It's because the what and the how is basically you can make that up. All right. Well, it's open you now. You can create so just, the how and why. The why is is hard to do. Perfect. If you want the book, Kevin will send it to you. Just yes. put your name in the in the comments or reach out to us. Jim Campbell, he sums it up as a decision to not make a decision is a decision. Sure. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's time for some shout-outs. People have reached out to us during the week. Andrew Marino, he said, Hello, great show today. It is amazing to see the amount of people who are engaging compared to the first episode aired weeks ago. Yeah, awesome stuff. The reason why I am reaching out is for a quick question. Love the name of the show. Is it loosely based off the Alec Baldwin scene from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Of course it is. He wants to know if we sell posters. I don't know. I guess we'll find well, out. I, we, we can. <laughs> we can. Do you, do yeah, you guys, definitely. Do you folks want posters? Leave yeah. comments. If there's enough demand, we can make anything. 
Uh, Matthew O'Brien, he's an account manager at CLE Transportation. He said, awesome show. He would like to be included in the next book drawing. He was. Matthew Beach, VP of sales at Seat My Trucks. He said, downtown Chatta Vegas today. He's still making it rain from his main office. So he is going into work every day still. I wonder if he, this was a week ago that he wrote that. So I wonder if he is still. Uh, Bruce DeLeo, he is the Global Sales Director at Legacy. He said, great shows, guy. I would like to be included in the draw. You sure were. Uh, Michael Ramirez, um, I'm new to the freight game outside sales. These podcasts really helped me out. Thanks. Love it. Uh, Lorenzo Moore, agency owner at Lamb Logistics. He said he's at his home office in Charlotte, North Carolina, enjoying the show. Amanda Miller, she said, um, love the show. Just put me in for the next book drawing. Chris Ulrich, yet another fantastic show. Love Chris. He always tunes in. Patrick Murray, he said, I want to be added. Good show. He's at On Time Logistics. Mm-hmm. Mary Jo Belfour, she's director of learning at Trinity Logistics. That's an interesting yeah. title. She said, great topic. Well, I'll take that as a compliment from the oh, director definitely. of learning. Yeah. She also said, great book, which she was talking about this one, which she was in there. And then Marissa Viokil says, hello from RNL Logistics CVG office. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much space here. And, and, and for some reason, Vincent decides to, to walk wow, right in dude. front of the cameras. I have no idea what he was thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Um, where, where were we? Oh, here were, four, here were four successful takeaways for moving a sales team remote. And they wrote, Zoom open office hours. For all of these spontaneous asks that come up throughout the day, I am setting aside one hour to hang out on Zoom and address any questions that come up. This has worked better than relying on Slack or email convos. So we oh, mentioned awesome. that too on our, on yeah. our, yeah. Yeah. Who was that? I don't know. For some reason, when this got copied on here. Uh, okay. I think it was the gentleman from Ambition that we had on though. I think oh, it, was, okay. it was Chris. All right. Uh, he said daily video recaps. At the end of each day, I'm oh, recording yeah, a three to four minute video recapping our big learnings throughout the day on items that are top of mind for him. Good stuff. Yeah, that's very good stuff. Yeah, that, that was Chris O'Connor from, from Ambition. What about this one? Virtual lunches. We had our first virtual team lunch, and it was great to catch up with everyone and meet their cats and dogs. It is a great opportunity to, to learn a little bit more about your people. You know, what, it is. what their backdrop looks like, what their house looks like. It, it is. And I've been seeing more and more posts about virtual happy hours. So, yeah. so basically doing virtual happy hours uh, with, with everyone. So many summits, know? so many virtual yeah, forums yeah, I, going I know, on, right? virtual happy hours. I don't know. You, you can have a busier social life virtually than uh, than you've ever had before. I, I know, right? Kevin, I'll tell you oddly, though, because I think we've been focusing and talking about this the coronavirus every day. And because I'm not at home and away from the family, um, I do. I've been doing a lot more social networking at work, but less when I'm at home because I just have to spend more time with them. It's just something I know people have reached out to. They're like, oh, is everything OK? I haven't heard as much from you guys. Everything's completely fine. It's just, you know, trying times. I'm I'm here at at work. When I get home, I got to give the family some time, too. No, I understand that. It's, it's, you basically have to balance it out a little bit. Uh, call Blitz Debriefs. We have two call blitzes a week with everything going on in the world. It is so important that we share what we are hearing from our prospects and customers. You know, this is something that I don't think enough sales teams do is, is share, share what kind of positive and negative feedback they are getting from customers. It'll tell you a lot about the strengths of the product, the strengths of your messaging, the strengths of your offering. Yeah, it's, it's something that a lot of people don't do, and especially in a virtual world or a remote work world, it becomes even more difficult. So uh, you should put a, a major focus on that. Bruce Sharrick, he said, 
Good morning. I just listened to my first Put the Coffee Down podcast, Selling into a Christ from Home. There are a lot of great ideas in your suggestions and comments that I can share internally at some of our people working from home. Thanks, Bruce. Hey, Bruce, thanks for reaching out, too. We Yes, please share. Please scale this knowledge. It's a podcast. Yeah, it's free. You can listen to it or you can watch it either or. And I like what you said. There's a lot of good advice in the comment section during the show. Oh, And I th- there is. That's why we focus yeah. so much on it. I mean, look, we're crowdsourcing information here. And you guys are the ones who are actually selling through this crowd crisis. We're talking about it all, but we are learning from you just as much as, as I hope you are from the show. Definitely. Andrew Barrett, National Sales Representative at ATS, it's Anderson Trucking Service, says, thank you for creating Put That Coffee Down. It's an energetic podcast that is actually relatable and enjoyable to listen to. Was hoping to connect just to learn more about the industry from experts. I'm currently only in my second month of freight brokerage. Andrew, love it. Love that you are trying to learn and, and get more knowledge here. Very good. Jessica Rollins, account manager at Spot Freight, she said uh, she gave us a potential topic. She um, she also did something that I've noticed a lot of sales reps doing, and maybe we'll talk to that on a future episode, but she sent me a video message on oh, LinkedIn. Really? Yes. Oh, very nice. I've noticed more and more people doing it, and um, because it hasn't hit critical mass, I'm not yeah. just getting inundated with them, I, I watch and listen to every single one of them. I, uh, no, it's, it's a great idea. I, weren't you trying to do that over there, or were you just taking I selfies? responded to her with oh, a okay. video. I wasn't doing a selfie. I responded to <laughs> I her you were doing with selfies. a video. I was getting my practice in. Jeez. Go <laughs> yourself. <laughs> okay, guys. Um, I think that's it for today's yeah, show, so. right? They're, they're telling us uh, to, to wrap it up. Oh, yeah, the baby's getting tired. Yeah, I've been ignoring it. So. Sounding good, guys. Love following the market. I thought we started at noon so that we could run longer. Wasn't that the I, whole I, point that of was, starting I at noon? That was the point. I guess not. Okay. William Rufo says, sounding good, guys. Love following the market. Please add me to the book drawing. Mundo Sanchez says, great show. I'm not a sales guy, but I love hearing new insights and different perspectives. Chris Ulrich says, yes, posters, great show guy. Not sure if I'm on the book list since I haven't won yet. You are, Chris. You just, uh, you're going to have to just keep, you're on there. I, I, you're, I know. Just stay on there. You'll be fine. You are actually, you're number three on the list. So you're doing good, Chris. You'll be in there. Should we start selling posters? I guess they're, they're saying we should. I, or at least sending them out to listeners, get some yeah, promo ones. Yeah. When we can finally go out to events again. All right. Exactly. So you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner or on LinkedIn, Kevin Hill. I LinkedIn, Kevin Hill, or Twitter at, at Kevin Hill CL. And subscribe to the show on podcast players everywhere. Put that coffee down or on Freightcast. You'll get every mm-hmm. single podcast we do, including the coronavirus freight market update that we're doing at noon on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's available as a podcast yep. and a video. Download Freightways TV app. But the best way to experience this show is on, on social media, right? Especially yes. put that coffee down Live. and that coronavirus. We're more than happy to answer questions uh, for mm-hmm. the rest of you. I don't know. Very Thank good. you for joining us today. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, uh, stay positive. Yes. Stay very times. positive. And build that pipeline. Build that pipeline. Win those bids. Win those bids. Thank you for joining us today. 